Welcome to Chilling with Teddy G, an authentic black channel empowering the black community and capturing the modern day black reality through investigative journalism. I'm your host, Teddy G. Hello to all of my Melanated Kings and Queens, my brothers and sisters in Africa and South Africa, and to my listening audience around the globe. I welcome each and every one of you back to another episode of CWTG. As you know, I'm Teddy G, your host, and you know, ladies and gentlemen, on this channel, we discuss anything and everything with absolutely no sugar, no frosting, and definitely no mayonnaise. So y'all go ahead and grab yourself your favorite beverage, ladies and gentlemen, as we get ready to um, talk about this uh, uh, January 6th uh, committee hearing on uh, some very important testimony that came out today from uh, Cassie uh, Hitchison, who was a um, chief uh, aide uh, in the uh, White House. Now, they, she's revealed ladies and gentlemen some information that i got to say that our already melanated individuals our native black american individuals ladies and gentlemen or anybody with any common sense already knew about the uh the president his actions his reactions and the reason why things unfolded the way they did at the capitol and as well at the white house we're going to get right into this, ladies and gentlemen, as soon as we do some housekeeping, because you know it's a must at the studios of Chilling with Teddy G that we keep our dirty laundry clean with the Copyright Disclaimer Act of 1976 under Title 17, Section 107. Allowances is made for the fair use for the purpose such as criticism, comment, news reporting, teaching, scholarships, and research. Fair use, fair use is permitted by the copyright statute that may otherwise be infringed. Nonprofit education or personal use tips the balance in the favor of fair use. So yeah, ladies and gentlemen, let's get into this um, damaging testimony that we, as um, uh, Native Black Americans, as uh, uh, um, melanated individuals, or like some of you others want to say, people of color, was already aware of without this uh, January 6th uh, uh, committee meeting that uh, brought about this uh, uh, damaging testimony against um, President Agent Orange. Now, this testimony, ladies and gentlemen, that came from uh, Catchison, uh, um, Hutchison, let me give you a little background on her because I'm, I'm sure probably a lot of you guys are not familiar with her. But uh, Catchy uh, Hutchison was a uh, former top aide to the uh, White House Chief of Staff, uh, Mark Meadows. Now, this went on between uh, March 2020 and uh, January 2021. Now, after uh, she graduated, joined the uh, Trump uh, White House Office of uh, Legislative Affairs, which happened between uh, March 2019 and March uh, uh, 2020. Now, also a former intern for the White House during the summer of 2018 and also a former intern for a White House a Majority uh, Whip uh, Steve uh, Sellis and Senator Ted Cruz while she was in college. So this gives you some background on her uh, experience, uh, her education, 
and the reason why uh, she was one of the uh, key witnesses in this um, January 6th uh, insurrection that happened on the Capitol. Now, Mr. Thompson, who is the uh, chairman of this uh, committee hearing, will be uh, definitely focusing on justice, a former White House aide, as I mentioned to you guys earlier. Now, let's briefly listen to uh, Mr. Thompson, the chairman, as he give uh, some detailed accounts about how he's familiar with her history uh, in the White House. Our witness today is Ms. Cassie Hutchinson, who served in the Trump administration in the White House Office of Legislative Affairs from 2019 to 2020, and as a special assistant to the president in the White House Chief of Staff's Office from March 2020 through January 2021. I will now swear in our witness. The witness will please stand and raise her right hand. You swear or affirm under penalty of perjury that the testimony you're about to give is the truth, the whole truth, and nothing but the truth. So help you, God. Thank you. You may be seated. Okay, and there you have it, ladies and gentlemen, where she was officially sworn in. And I want you to um, play close attention to some of this uh, damaging testimony that I'll be playing for you today. Something that uh, we know that a lot of the uh, American public was not uh, uh, familiar with or familiar with her. But as I say again, uh, that was only through a selected uh, citizens, any of the baddest snakes of America, or anybody that uh, has any melon in their skin know exactly um, what uh, the president did and didn't do what he could and uh, have done and uh, what he didn't do. We already was aware of this. So this information that's coming out, I have to say it again, that it is not new to us because I, now I'll tell you why before I go on with this. And that's because, ladies and gentlemen, uh, President Agent Orange always voiced uh, his opinion on how he felt about race, race issues, racism, and he made it clear on uh, how he stands on uh, those subjects. We know that he uh, um, was okay with um, these uh, um, racist hate groups that was out here and uh, how he, in uh, so many uncertain terms, said that they were good you know, it's good on both sides. We've heard him say this many times and how he supported that. I mean, let's face it. He's a known bigoted and he's a known racist. All right. He's always made that clear. And since that was clear, ladies and gentlemen, especially to Native black Americans and melanated people, then we knew how he felt during his pres presidency, during his uh, 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 um inactive involvement during the uh, uh, January 6ers a storm in the Capitol and why he didn't do anything about it or even make a statement ladies and gentlemen for hours after uh, it took place so it was clear to us as it should have been clear to anybody who's a, a logical thinking individual where he stood on 
these um, pro, uh, protesters who were, mind you, protesting for him because they believed that the election was fraudulent, even though they didn't come up with one iota of evidence that the accusations that were being made were even true. Uh, let's go to the chairman as he begins to uh, question uh, Mrs. Hutchison. When you started at the White House, you served at, in the Office of Legislative Affairs. We understand that you were initially hired as a staff assistant, but were soon promoted to a position of greater responsibility. Can you explain your role for the committee? When I moved over to the White House Chief of Staff's office with Mr. Meadows when he became the fourth Chief of Staff, it's difficult to describe a typical day. Um, I was a special assistant to the President and an advisor, advisor to the Chief of Staff. The days depended on what the President was doing that day, and that's kind of how my portfolio was reflected. I had a lot of outreach with members of Congress, senior cabinet, cabinet officials, we would work, I would work on policy issues with relevant internal components and members on the Hill, as well as security protocol at the White House complex for Mr. Meadows and the President. And then you, were, you received another promotion in March 2020. At that time, you became the principal aide to the new White House Chief of Staff, Mark Meadows. Is that right? That's correct, sir. What did a typical day look like for you in your work with Mr. Meadows? It varied with what was going on. We spent a lot of time on the Hill. I spent time on the Hill independently too, as I was his liaison for Capitol Hill. Um, we did a lot of presidential travel engagements, but mostly I was there to serve what the chief of staff needed. And a lot of times what the chief of staff needed was a reflection of what the president's schedule was detailed to do that day. So is it fair to say that you spoke regularly in your position, both with members of Congress and with senior members of the Trump administration? That's correct. That's a fair assessment, sir. And would you say that in your work with Mr. Meadows, you were typically in contact with him and others in the White House throughout the day? That's correct, sir. Mr. Meadows and I were in contact almost pretty much throughout every day um, consistently. Although so much of grave importance happens in the West Wing of the White House, it's a quite a small building. Uh, above me on the screen, you can see a map of the first floor of the West Wing of the White House. Okay, well, this isn't uh, important, this map of the White House, but then it may be because her office was quite close to the uh, Oval Office and the uh, uh, um, uh, her her boss uh, Meadows and things like that. But I want to get into now a bunch of this uh, damaging testimony that she's going to give about President Agent Orange. Now let's go to the vice chair, Mrs. Cheney, as she asks some very important questions about the uh, dangers of the uh, what could possibly happen on uh, January 6th and how there was prior knowledge throughout um, uh, the Secret Service and, and, and uh, members of the White House as well as the, uh, uh, the President. 
So, Ms. Hutchinson, uh, now we're going to turn to certain information that was available before January 4th and what the Trump administration and the president knew about the potential for violence before January 6th. On the screen, you will see an email received by Acting Deputy Attorney General Donahue on January 4th from the National Security Division of the Department of Justice. Mr. Donahue testified in our hearings last week. The email identifies apparent planning by those coming to Washington on January 6th to, quote, occupy federal buildings and discussions of, quote, invading the Capitol building. Here's what Mr. Donahue said to us. And we knew that if you have tens of thousands of very obsessive people showing up in Washington, D.C., that there was potential for what? U.S. Secret Service was looking uh, at similar information and watching the planned demonstrations. In fact, their intelligence division sent several emails to White House personnel, like Deputy Chief of Staff Tony Ornato and the head of the President's protective detail, Robert Engel, including certain materials listing events like those on the screen. The White House continued to receive updates about planned demonstrations, including information regarding the Proud Boys organizing and planning to attend events on January 6th. Although- Okay, before we get into the rest of that, ladies and gentlemen, let me read those uh, emails so you have a full understanding of what she's talking about. Now, this is a United States Secret Service Intelligence Division emails and attachment where it says that Trump mega rally stopped the steal. Patriots must show up in D.C. on January 6th to protest the election fraud. We must occupy every federal building, park, monuments, and open spaces. Then another one goes on to say that fight for Trump. We need to flood the Capitol building and show America and the senators and representatives inside voting that we won't stand for election fraud. Okay, let's go back to the uh, vice chair. The White House continued to receive updates about planned demonstrations, including information regarding the Proud Boys organizing and planning to attend events on January 6th. Although Ms. Hutchinson has no detailed knowledge of any planning involving the Proud Boys for January 6th, she did note this. Listen clearly. I recall hearing the word Oath Keeper and hearing the word Proud Boys closer to the planning of the January 6th rally when Mr. Giuliani would be around. Okay, now with that knowledge then, ladies and gentlemen, come on, it's clear, okay, that they had prior knowledge of uh, what was potentially going to happen on January 6th. On January 3rd, the Capitol Police issued a special event assessment. In that document, the Capitol Police noted that the Proud Boys and other groups planned to be in Washington, D.C. on January 6th and indicated that, quote, unlike previous post-election protests, the targets of the pro-Trump supporters are not necessarily the counter-protesters as they were previously, but rather Congress itself is the target on the 6th. Of course, we all know now that the Proud Boys showed up on January 6th 
marched from the Washington Monument to the Capitol that day and led the riotous mob to invade and occupy our Capitol. Ms. Hutchinson, can you describe for us Mr. Ornato's responsibilities as Deputy Chief of Staff? The Deputy Chief of Staff position at the White House for operations is arguably one of the most important positions that somebody can hold. They're in charge of all security protocol for the campus and all presidential protectees, primarily the president and the first family, but anything that requires security for any individual that has uh, presidential protection, so the chief of staff or the um, national security advisor, as well as the vice president's team too. Tony would oversee all of that. He was the conduit for security protocol between White House staff and the United States Secret Service. Okay, now with that being said, ladies and gentlemen, we, the, uh, um, the head of the uh, security that oversees everything you just heard her say was also aware of the potential of, uh, of violence that could happen on January 6th and did absolutely nothing about it. And please keep this in mind that this is Agent Orange uh, administration and their security. Now, let's get a tidbit of information on what the Secret Service knew and what they had done to a prior uh, protest before the uh, January 6th riot. Thank you. And you also described a brief meeting between Mr. Ornato and Mr. Meadows on the potential for violence. Uh, the meeting was on January 4th. They were talking about the potential for violence on January 6th. Let's listen to a clip of that testimony. Remember Mr. Ornato had talked to him about intelligence reports. I remember Mr. Ornato coming in and saying that we had intel reports saying that there could potentially be violence on the, on the 6th. You also told us about reports of violence and weapons that the Secret Service were receiving on the night of January 5th and throughout the day on January 6th. Is that correct? That's correct. There are reports that police in Washington, D.C. had arrested several people with firearms or ammunition following a separate pro-Trump rally in Freedom Plaza on the evening of January 5th. Are those some of the reports that you recall hearing about? They are. Of course, the world now knows that the people who attacked the Capitol on January 6th had many different types of weapons. When a president speaks, the Secret Service typically requires those attending to pass through metal detectors, known as magnetometers, or MAGs for short. The Select Committee has learned that people who willingly entered the enclosed area for President Trump's speech were screened so they could attend the rally at the Ellipse. They had weapons and other items that were confiscated. Pepper spray, knives, brass knuckles, tasers, body armor, gas masks, batons, blunt weapons. And those were just from the people who chose to go through the security for the president's event on the ellipse, not the several thousand members of the crowd who refused to go through the mags and watched from the lawn near the Washington Monument. And the reason why because of that it's because all of them, or not all, but a majority of them were uh, carrying the same things that you just heard her say that they removed from the um, individuals who tried to uh, enter uh, uh, closer to the uh, uh, area 
when they went through the mechometers and uh, they removed all of these uh, um, uh, weapons and body armor and the, uh, this and that from the ones who decided to stay out there on the line where they could um, keep their uh, their weapons and their body armor and everything else that they use during the uh, insurrection. The select committee has learned about reports from outside the magnetometers and has obtained police radio transmissions identifying individuals with firearms, including AR-15s, near the ellipse on the morning of January 6th. Let's listen. Understand, do you hear all of these reports that they have of these uh, Mazungu um, Agent Orange supporters who are on uh, Capitol grounds and on the sidewalks and, and in the immediate area armed with all type of weapons? Can you imagine what that would have been like, ladies and gentlemen, if that had been melanated individuals? All of those individuals would have been arrested immediately on the spot. But yet, these Mazungus were allowed to uh, not only keep these weapons, even though uh, law enforcement was aware of them, that uh, they were still able to enter the Capitol with these weapons and subsequently commit what I say uh, a successful. Uh, um, riot and invasion of the Capitol. Now let's listen to Mrs. Hutchison tell her boss that uh, uh, are you aware of what's going on and is the president aware of what's going on and let's listen to what she had to say about that ladies and gentlemen. Looked up and said have you talked to the president? And Tony said, yes, sir, he's aware too. He said, all right, good. He asked Tony if Tony had informed the president. Yes. And Tony said, yes, he had. So, Ms. Hutchinson, is it your understanding that Mr. Ornato told the president about weapons at the rally on the morning of January 6th? That's what Mr. Ornato relayed to me. And here's how you characterize Mr. Meadows' general response when people raised concerns about what could happen on January 6th. Okay, now that's a key piece of information, ladies and gentlemen, that I want you to understand. 
that means that Agent Orange was well aware of the potential dangers that was happening on the Capitol, and he was aware that they were armed. Not only were they armed, but they were protected with um, uh, body armor and uh, uh, um, bear spray, uh, uh, um, poles, uh, uh, flag poles, or they had put spears on, and and the former president was aware of what was going on. So to me, ladies and gentlemen, if he was aware of what was going on and did absolutely nothing about it for hours, then was he a part of it? That's a question that needs to be asked. Or was he just so uh, upset with with what he thought was a fraudulent uh, election that he simply just didn't care? that this was going on. Okay, now here's a key piece of testimony, ladies and gentlemen, where Mr. Sussison tells that uh, um, that uh, Agent Orange was aware of not only with the people with the weapons, but he wanted them to come in and wanted them to shut down the magnetometers so he could have a, a, a larger crowd as... Um, he gave his speech. Now that's key testimony into uh, 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 his involvement or the lack thereof knowing what could potentially happen. Ms. Hutchinson, we're gonna show now an exchange of texts between you and Deputy Chief of Staff Ornato. Um, and these text messages uh, were uh, exchanged while you were at the ellipse. Um, in one text, uh, you write, but the crowd looks good from this vantage point as long as we get the shot. He was effing furious. And the text messages also stress that President Trump kept mentioning the OTR, an off-the-record movement. We're going to come back and ask you about that in a minute. But could you tell us, first of all, who it is in the text who was furious? The he in that text that I was referring to was the president. And uh, why was he furious, Ms. Hutchinson? He was furious because he wanted the arena that we had on the ellipse to be maxed out at capacity for uh, all attendees. The advance team had relayed to him that the mags were free-flowing. Everybody who wanted to come in had already come in, but he still was angry about the extra space and wanted more people to come in. And did you go to the rally in the presidential motorcade? I, I was there, yes, in the motorcade. And were you backstage uh, with the president and other members of his staff and family? I was. And you told us, Ms. Hutchinson, about particular comments that you heard while you were in the tent area. Yes, when we were yeah. in the offstage announced area tent behind the stage, he was very concerned about the shot, meaning the photograph that we would get because the rally space wasn't full. Um, one of the reasons, which I previously stated, was because he wanted it to be full and for people to not feel excluded because they'd come far to watch him at the rally. Um, and he felt the mags were at fault for not letting everybody in. But 
another leading reason, and likely the primary reason is because he wanted it full and he was angry that we weren't letting people through the mags with weapons, what the Secret Service deemed as weapons and were our weapons. <laughs> but now, did y'all hear that? The President Agent Orange was upset that the uh, magnetometers and the Secret Service wasn't allowing more people into his uh, uh, speech because they were uh, uh, had weapons. Rather than him being concerned with that, he wanted the eclipse where he was speaking at to be full of his supporters and protesters against this so-called uh, fraudulent uh, uh, election. Primary reasons because he wanted it full and he was angry that we weren't letting people through the mags with weapons, what the Secret Service deemed as weapons and our, our weapons. <laughs> but when we were in the offstage announced tent, I was part of a conversation. I was, in the, I was in the vicinity of a conversation where I overheard the president say something to the effect of, you know, I, I don't effing care that they have weapons. They're not here to hurt me. Take the effing mags away. Let my people in. They can march to the Capitol from here. Let the people in. Take the effing mags away. Did you hear that? The president himself is saying, let my people in. Take the magnetometers away so they can hear my speech and then go and march to the Capitol. Now, according to Mrs. Hutchison, these is the words that she had, that she heard in a conversation where she was um, uh, in close proximity uh, to the president where this conversation was being had at. Wow. But when we were in the offstage announced tent, I was part of a conversation. I was, in the, I was in the vicinity of a conversation where I overheard the president say something to the effect of, you know, I, I don't effing care that they have weapons. They're not here to hurt me. Take the effing mags away. Let my people in. They can march to the Capitol from here. Let the people in. Take the effing mags away. I just needed y'all to hear that again, ladies and gentlemen. This was former President Agent Orange saying this to uh, his Secret Service detail. Just to be clear, Ms. Hutchinson, is it your understanding that the president wanted to take the mags away and said that the armed individuals were not there to hurt him? That's a fair assessment. The issue wasn't with the amount of space available in the official rally area uh, only, but instead that people did not want to have to go through the mags. Let's listen to a portion of what you told us about that. In this particular instance, it wasn't the capacity of our space, it was the mags and the people that didn't want to come through. And that's what Tony had been trying to relate to him that morning. You know, it's not the issues that we encountered on the campaign. We have enough space, sir. They don't want to come in right now. They, they have weapons they don't want confiscated by the Secret Service. And they're fine on the mall. They can see you on the mall. And they want to march straight to the Capitol from the mall. The president apparently wanted all attendees inside the official rally space and repeatedly said, quote, they're not here to hurt me. And, and just to, to be clear, so um, he was told again in that conversation, or was he told again in that conversation that 
people couldn't come through the mags because they had weapons. Correct. And um, that people, and he, his response was to say they can march to the Capitol from, in, from the ellipse. Something to the effect of take the effing mags away, they're not here to hurt me, let them in, let my people in, they can march to the Capitol after the rally's over, they can march from, they can march from the ellipse, take the effing mags away, then they can march. Okay, listen. Now, does that sound like um, a conspiracy on the uh, behalf of Agent Orange? Because he's acknowledging the fact that I know they have weapons. They are not here to hurt me. Okay, how do you know that? Please give us a, a logical explanation of how you know that there isn't a rogue individual out there in that crowd who's specifically targeting you. That tells me two things, or one of two things, that either you specifically knew that or you didn't care. Now y'all think about that and give me your opinion on what you think. Ms. Hutchinson, what we saw when those clips were playing were photos provided by the National Archives showing the president in the offstage tent before his speech on the ellipse. You were in some of those photos as well. And uh, I just want to confirm that that is when you heard the president say the people with weapons weren't there to hurt him and that he wanted the Secret Service to remove the magnetometers. That's correct. In the photos that you displayed, we were standing towards the front of the tent with the TVs really close to where he would walk out to go onto the stage. These conversations happened two to three minutes before he took the stage that morning. Let's reflect on that for a moment. President Trump was aware that a number of the individuals in the crowd had weapons and were wearing body armor. And here's what President Trump instructed the crowd to do. We're gonna walk down and I'll be there with you. We're gonna walk down. We're gonna walk down. Anyone you want, but I think right here, we're going to walk down to the Capitol. We're going to walk down and I'll be there with you. We're going to walk down. We're going to walk down. Anyone you want, but I think right here, we're going to walk down to the Capitol. Not you're going to walk down. We're going to walk down there. His specific words was, I'll be with you. And you have to keep in mind, ladies and gentlemen, that he knows that uh, a lot of, or the majority of um, his supporters out there are armed with all type of weapons, including RA-15s. And the crowd, as we know, did proceed to the Capitol. It soon became apparent to the Secret Service, including the Secret Service teams in the crowd, along with White House staff, the security at the Capitol would not be sufficient. I had two or three phone conversations with Mr. Renato when we were at the Ellipse, and then I had four men on Mr. Renato's detail with me in between those individuals and then a few other bodies on the ground just Secret Service being advanced they're getting notifications through their radios and Mr. 
in Cornell and one a conversation had called me and said, make sure the chief knows that they're, they're getting close to the Capitol. It's um, having trouble stacking bodies. And Ms. Hutchinson, when you, you said they were having trouble stacking bodies, did you mean that law enforcement at the Capitol uh, needed more people to defend the Capitol from the rioters? It was becoming clear to us and to the Secret Service that Capitol Police officers were getting overrun at the security barricades outside of the Capitol building. And they were having short, they were short people to defend the building against the rioters. And uh, you mentioned that Mr. Ornato was conveying this to you because he wanted you to tell Mr. Meadows. Uh, so did you, did you tell Mr. Meadows uh, that people were getting closer to the Capitol and that Capitol Police was having difficulty? After I had the conversation with Mr. Meadows, Mr. after I had the conversation with Mr. Ornato, I went to have the discussion with Mr. Meadows. He was in a secure vehicle at the time making a call. So when I had gone over to the car, I went to open the door to let him know and he had immediately shut it. I don't know who he was speaking with. Um, it wasn't something that he regularly did, especially when I would go over to give him information. So I was a bit taken aback, but I didn't think much of it. And thinking that I was, would be able to have the conversation with him a few moments later. And were you able to have that conversation a few moments later? Probably about 20 to 25 minutes later, there was another period in between where he shut the door again. Um, and then when he finally got out of the vehicle, we had the conversation. But at that point, there was a backlog of information that he should have been made aware of. And so you opened the door to the control car and Mr. Meadows pulled it shut? That's correct. And he did that two times? That's correct. And when you finally were able to give Mr. Meadows the information um, about the violence at the Capitol, what was his reaction? He almost had a lack of reaction. I remember him saying, all right, something to the effect of how much longer is, does the president have left in this speech? Again, uh, much of this information about the potential for violence um, was known or learned before the onset of the violence, early enough for President Trump to take steps to prevent it. He could, for example, have urged the crowd at the Ellipse not to march to the Capitol. He could have condemned the violence immediately once it began, or he could have taken multiple other steps. But as we will see today and in later hearings, President Trump had something else in mind. One other question at this point, Ms. Hutchinson, were you aware of concerns that White House counsel Pat Cipollone or Eric Hirschman had about the language President Trump used in his Ellipse speech? There were many discussions the morning of the 6th about the rhetoric of the speech that day. In my conversations with Mr. Hirschman, he had relayed that we would be foolish to include language that had been included at the president's request, which had lines along to the effect of fight for Trump, we're gonna march to the Capitol, I'll be there with you, fight for me, fight for what we're doing, fight for the movement. Um, things about the vice president at the time too. Both Mr. Hirschman and White House Counsel's Office were urging the speechwriters to not include that language for legal concerns and also for the op optics of what it could portray the president wanting to do that day. 
And we just heard the president say that he would be with his supporters as they marched to the Capitol. Even though uh, he did not end up going, he certainly wanted to. Um, some have questioned whether President Trump genuinely planned to come here to the Capitol on January 6th. In his book, Mark Meadows falsely wrote that after President Trump gave his speech on January 6th, he told Mr. Meadows that he was, quote, speaking, meta speaking metaphorically about the walk to the Capitol. As you will see, Donald Trump was not speaking metaphorically. As we heard earlier, Rudy Giuliani told Ms. Hutchinson that Mr. Trump plans to travel to the Capitol on January 6th. I want to pause for just a moment uh, to ask you, Ms. Hutchinson, to explain some of the terminology you will hear today. We've heard you use two different terms to describe plans for the president's movement to the Capitol or anywhere else. One of those is a scheduled movement, and another one is OTR. Could you describe for us what each of those mean? Okay, before we get into that, ladies and gentlemen, I don't want to uh, uh, prolong this uh, pertinent information in one episode. So I'm going to uh, stop it here, and it's going to be a part two to this. That will be directly after uh, this one right here. They will both be posted um, one right after the other. But <clears throat> we have already heard damaging testimony from um, Cassie Hutchison on uh, the president's involvement or the lack of it thereof when it came to safety issues with what happened on uh, uh, January 6th. And he has made it specifically clear that he wants to be there Okay, and that is what a lot of uh, part two is going to be about, about what the president did, what he said, how he reacted. Now, any of you Mzungus, I'm sure you're going to be shocked. Maybe you won't. I know for sure ain't no melanated individual going to be shocked. You know, they may be getting some informative information that the reason why he didn't show up at his own, um, uh, Coup. But with that fact being remained, even though he didn't show up, we've got damaging testimony, ladies and gentlemen, that he wanted to be there and he was like a narcissistic, whining, twining uh, uh, young boy who uh, couldn't get his way. So with all that being said, I'm going to uh, end this episode so I can immediately start taking care of... Uh, the uh, second part of this. Thank y'all so much for tuning in to this episode of Chilling with Teddy G. Please do all you can to support this station to keep the doors open. This station is 100% supported by donations like you. All right. I give y'all these stories and give you this pertinent information, ladies and gentlemen, for one reason and one reason only. That's because I love you. Loving you guys is my food, and Teddy G is hungry each and every single day of his life. And until I have the opportunity to address you guys again, I bid each and every one of you peace, love, and soul.